Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message. Let me read a few scriptures for you. Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 to 7. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out from the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down uh, to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 to 20. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, uh, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good in the end to you. Then you say in your heart, My power and my might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 10, 6-14. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Do not become idolaters as some of them, uh, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation, trial, difficulty has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, the test, the trial, the difficulty will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, flee from idolatry. Idolatry in the church today. In the New Testament, we see a, a variety of verses that talk about fleeing idolatry. And we have the tendency to say, Paul, Peter, James, they are talking to a people that came out of idolatry. Therefore, he's talking about having this little idol that you're praying to and bowing down to in place of God. I would like to suggest that you need to broaden your outlook. And the reason is, is because idolatry is a problem in the church today. For some churches, it's found among the leadership. We have to do that which we can do so that we can get people in the pew. Because if we have people in the pew, 
most likely we'll have dollars in the plate. Now, that may not be, quote-unquote, their intent, but ultimately, uh, that is going to be part of the issue. Okay, people's in the pew. If you go to a pastoral conference um, and you're introduced to someone, within a very short period of time, that pastor is going to ask you, so, how many people you got in your church? And if your church isn't of the right measurement, then, well, you're one of those lesser guys. You know, you can stand over there with those small churches. Whole point being is, whether it be money or whether it be ego, what on earth is that guy even doing in the pulpit? Okay? Idolatry is in the church today. Let's take a look at our notes. In Matthew 6.24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, in this particular case, mammon is money. Can't serve God and money. So we recognize the Scripture says there should be no other gods. Now, are there other gods? If you've been attending church here for the last couple of years, you know that there's a whole host of gods. They are basically fallen angelic beings that were given uh, responsibility over certain areas of the, the lands, the world, and uh, they were supposed to teach people about God. Instead, they taught people a variety of things that we would uh, relate to Washington, D.C. Okay? Uh, that's the best way we can say it. They corrupted the nations. God said that the land of Israel was His land. It wasn't the Jewish people's land. It was His land. What happened when uh, the spirit of Babylon tried to invade from the south and ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah? What happened? God said, uh, excuse me, this is my land. Boom! It done and over with. Okay? Uh, if you go over there today... There are the remains of sulfur all over the place, which is very, very uncommon in the state that they have found it. It was God's land. You, you, you're in charge of Turkey. You're in charge of Lebanon. You're in charge of Syria. You're in charge of Iran, Persia at the time, that kind of thing. And so there are other gods, powers, that's what the word Elohim, which is translated God in the Bible, uh, means. It means powers. In the beginning, power created the heavens and the earth. That's the word there. Okay? God, El, uh, Jehovah, is a power. And I don't mean that in a non-personal sense, but he is the power that's above all power. These angelic creatures were created. That's why they're called creatures. And uh, in rebelling against his authority, they decided to become powers or gods for the nations. And every now and again, of course, Israel got into worshiping one of those others, even though God had said, you will have no other gods before me. You cannot serve Two gods. You can only only serve one. Uh, letter A, the West, Westminster Larger Catechism question. Now you'll notice, uh, because these are not on the board, there's lines there. And the purpose of those lines is for you to stay awake and fill them in, um, give you something to do, you know. Uh, what are the duties required in the first commandment found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3? So the word there is... Excellent. Boy, you're right on it. Uh, letter B is the answer. The duties required in the first commandment are to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God. To know and acknowledge God to be the only true God. Now, we've just said there's all kinds of gods. But He is above them all. He is God. They're little g-o-d-s. They're gods. He's the only true uh, God. Number two, to worship and glorify Him accordingly. Worship, unfortunately, has gotten a bad rap over the years. 
And uh, the reason is, is because we've designated the musical portion of our service as the worship service. That is so unbiblical, it's pathetic. It gives us an opportunity to sing together the praises of Him who is worthy, who we should bow down to. Yes, yes. But guess what? This part right here, we're in His Word. We're learning about Him. We're learning how to live accordingly. This is worship. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and you are going to worship God by the way you work. Hmm. For those of you that are in school, you're going to go to school and you're going to worship God by listening to your teachers and learning and being the appropriate person that you should be. Even a child is known by what he does, whether it be good or pure or something like that. Uh, whole point being is our worship is the way we live our lives. And so we are to worship and glorify Him. Now, I went to Bible college, and can I tell you, they never told me what it meant to glorify Him. They just told me I was supposed to. And it's kind of like uh, the idea of glory is, uh, the Greek word is doxa, and it means to glorify. Don't you love definitions that don't help? The idea of glorifying God is to show forth His character. So as you're worshiping, God through your work, through your school, through your studies, through everything that you do, you are showing forth His character. Can you do this? Romans chapter 7, though I want to do good, I don't. I do the evil that I hate. Why? Because there's a law of sin in my members. This is a body of sin and death, and it's a law. And I know we don't believe in the law because well, they've proven themselves to be so corrupt and all that kind of stuff. So the speed limit means it's a minimum as far as some of us are concerned. As far as others are concerned, if you're doing 10 less than, you're okay. We want to slap you. No, no, stop it. Bad pastor. <clears throat> but when we glorify God, we're living in the Spirit. If you go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, For the law, same word, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus delivers me from this law of sin and death. So the only way I can do anything good is as I walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice there's no middle ground. Over here we're walking in the spirit. Over here we're walking in the flesh doing all that bad stuff that we're not supposed to do. And most of us spend most of our life thinking we're living right here. Nope. You're in the spirit. You're in the flesh. Those are your only two choices. Okay? And see, if you're going to glorify God, if you're going to show forth His character, you're walking in the Spirit and therefore bearing the fruit of the Spirit where people see there's a difference in your life. And some of them may come and say, why are you like that? I remember when I worked at Sears, Saturday morning was a great time for the guys to get, get together and talk about all their exploits on Friday night. And while they were doing that, I was stocking shelves. And I'd go by, and they'd be telling a funny story, and I'd laugh because, well, it was funny. May not have been the right kind of story or anything like that, but it, it was funny, so I'd laugh. And uh, one of the guys comes up to me and says, Al, you're a little liberal. Well, he started out with, you're a Christian, right? I said, yeah. He goes, you're kind of liberal. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa Craig. What do you mean by that? Because in my circles, liberal isn't a good word. And he goes, well, you don't judge us by the things that we talk about and say. And I had to tell him, well, my job isn't to judge you. It's to live like Jesus in front of you. And hopefully you'll ask questions. So I mean, you're glorifying God. Because how would Jesus have been there? You guys shouldn't be talking like that. Don't cuss in front of me. You know, the various Karen-type situations that we hear about in this day and age that, unfortunately, Christians have been a part of, okay? So we are to worship and glorify Him accordingly. Notice letter A, by thinking, meditating, remembering, highly esteeming, honoring, adoring, choosing, loving, desiring, fearing of Him. 
And I have Colossians 3, 1 to 4 there because Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, If you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we're supposed to be thinking about Him, about what He wants, what He desires. Let her be, believing Him. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at that verse, but what on earth is He saying? He's saying faith is believing what God says. That's the simple essence of the verse. Okay, the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? What God said. Where's the evidence? We walk by faith, not by sight. Because if it was something we saw, it'd be right here, tangible. We're depending on what he said. So that's what faith is all about. So believing him. Uh, Hebrews 11.6, For without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And uh, I'll be honest with you, one of the lessons I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks uh, is going to be on faith. Uh, Because we, again, have a tendency, we want to put everything in a box. We understand. We need faith to, to trust in Jesus and get saved. And for many, that's kind of where it ends. And God says, I want you to believe that you are dead to sin. And then temptation comes along, and we go, no, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, you really are. It's not your master anymore. But the only way you're going to get through that is by believing what God said. Okay? (coughs) Excuse me. So believing Him, let her see. Trusting, hoping, delighting. Rejoicing in Him. Uh, The word delight is basically to take pleasure in. I delight in my wife's Dutch apple pie, especially if there's some vanilla ice cream to go on top of it. I delight in Oreo cookies. I actually delight in lobster, beef, chicken. I delight in vegetables, but not as much as meat. You know, um, that, that's the idea. Basically, this is where we get this concept of what is the purpose of man, the chief end of man. It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Uh, I'm driving down the road the other day, and I got little Cameron in my uh, back seat, and uh, I'm singing a song. Uh, the song was, Does your anchor hold, or something like that. It was an old hymn. And he goes, why are you singing? I go, because I'm happy. He goes, what's that song you're singing? I go, what's the matter? He goes, I don't like it. Why not? Basically, because he didn't know it. And I said, well, you want to sing something with me? You know, like, uh, Jesus loves me. He didn't know that one either. Um, He's only four, so give him a chance. Uh, But the whole point being was he didn't understand why I was singing. Why was I singing? I'm driving to Lowe's. Get to spend money. No, that wasn't the reason. Um, I'm just enjoying God. Okay? And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Letter D, being zealous for Him. Now, obviously, the Jews were zealous, but without knowledge. We want to have knowledge with that zealousness. Uh, Letter E, calling upon Him. Boy, isn't it good to know that He's always there. Isn't it good to know that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find grace and mercy, well, mercy and grace to help in time of need? When's our time of need? Without me, you can do nothing. That would indicate always. So we can be calling upon him. Letter F, giving all praise and thanks and yielding all obedience and submission to him with the whole man. Ephesians five nineteen through 21 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear 
of God. So you can see that giving praise and thanks, etc. Uh, letter G, being careful in all things to please Him. Romans 12, 2, and don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What is the will of God? Which college does he want me to go to? I don't think he wants you to go. No, that, I better not say that. Uh, I, I don't think that's the issue. The issue is, is wherever you go, are you going to be living for him? And let's face it, in a lot of colleges in this day and age, what is their job? To conform you to the image of this world. So be careful where you choose. Um, but we do know God's will. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And that one we find a hard enough uh, difficulty to follow, and we're concerned with God's will. I'm not always so sure. Uh, but being careful to, in all things to please Him. Uh, letter H, sorrowful when in anything He is offended. Sorrowful. God wants us to be mourning, sorrowful, sad. Uh, Psalm 38, 6 says, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Please go and look at Psalm 38. You're going to see a person who has not dealt with their sin and all of the physical ramifications of not having dealt with their sin. And at least three times in the first ten verses, depression, feeling the weight on them, is some of those physical and mental ramifications. Whole point being, that's not being sorrowful for what doesn't please God. That's being sorrowful because you did what uh, didn't please God, and you haven't dealt with it yet. But... When you deal with it, usually you have to be brought to that point, and it's that bringing that hurts. But then you start to recognize, what I just did was unholy, ungodly, unrighteous in the eyes of a holy God, a righteous God. Wow. And then letter I, and walking humbly with him. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, old man, what is good. And what the Lord requires of you both to do justly, our court system could use that one, to love mercy, we need that one, and to walk humbly with your God. So to walk humbly with Him. So that brings us to point number two, idolatry. If we're to have no other gods, but idolatry is a problem, what is idolatry? The putting of anything or any desire in a primary position before God or what God wants. Uh, Romans 1, 21 to 23, uh, we like reading this verse in refer uh, reference to our uh, country, uh, what happened to it, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And once again, uh, we think idols. We think of the little statue that people will bow down to. Nope. All this says is they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into a God that pleased them. 1958, do you realize we still taught Bible in high school? And we decided, no, there's got to be the separation of church and state. The original letter pointed out that the state needs to stay out of the church. The church should have every effect on the state. That's the, middle, the wall that uh, whichever founding father wrote the letter was talking about. It wasn't keeping the church out of the state. It was keeping the state out of the church. Why? Go back to 325 A.D. Hello. Okay. Anytime the state has gotten involved in the church, they mess everything up. And we let them. So it's not just all their fault. Okay. But the state is supposed to have an effect on, I mean, the church is supposed to have an effect on the state. You can't legislate morality. I'm sorry. Every law we have is a legislation of morality. How stupid can you be by saying that? Thou shalt not kill. 
That means there's a moral standard. Okay? And we have laws about that, though we're not following them very often. I understand. Okay? But my whole point is... Uh, what was the point again? <laughs> my whole point is, is we're actually supposed to have an effect on them. And yet, since President Lyndon Johnson was a senator... When he was a senator, the evangelical church of the time had no appreciation for that man because, well, he was a vile person, okay? And uh, he came up with an amendment that basically said, church can't uh, talk about politics because if they do, we're going to take away their tax-free status. What the law actually says is we cannot endorse candidates. We can talk about politics all day long. But what are we going to do it from? Not our opinions, the Word of God, the moral standards of God, okay? And then I challenge you to go back and look at your Declaration of Independence. Up in Gustavus on the 4th of July, we actually read through the uh, Declaration of Independence in the park with all the people there. We broke it up into little three, four-line paragraphs, and we read through the whole thing. Wayne, Lynn, and I all got to get a paragraph. Oh, it was great. Uh, why? Because people need to read it. If you read it, you'd find out our government is presently breaking at least half of the things that King George was doing that we said no. Okay? But, uh, wow. Uh, so, uh, when we say they change the glory... We used to teach the Bible. We don't teach the Bible in schools anymore. We used to have prayer in school. We don't pray in school anymore because we don't want you forcing your religion on us. Okay? We're going to say, thanks God, we don't need you anymore, and we're going to make God into the image that we think he ought to be. We don't have to have a statue. In today's day and age, God uh, uh, has made mistakes in making little boys and girls boys and girls, and we're going to help him out. Not only are that, we're going to cause confusion and cause questions by teaching them that it's okay to be twisted like that. Ouch. Okay, now that's our government. Unfortunately, we're seeing those people in the church. And again, if you're one of them and you don't like what I got to say, I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with you, but you're wrong. Why? Because God says so. Okay? So... Uh, they, they changed God into an image that was acceptable to them. In uh, Ezekiel uh, 14, uh, verses 1 to 5, uh, this is where God brings the elders, well, he brings Ezekiel to where the elders are and shows, them, shows him the idols of their heart. So even though they're doing all of the religious things at the temple, they're all bowing down to idols and worshiping other gods. And uh, it says... Uh, here, let me see. Uh, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put the, uh, before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of all by, uh, at all by them? Uh, therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Everyone of the house of Israel who sets up an idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him uh, who comes according to the multitude of his idols. Ouch. Okay. Um, Now, letter A. Elise Fitzpatrick quotes in her book, uh, The Idols of the Heart, says, Our hearts are manufacturing plants of idols. Again, we do not need a statue. There's all kinds of things that we put in a primary position before God or what God wants. Letter B, how do you know when you've been involved in idolatry? Number one, when you are willing to sin in order to get what you want. 1 John 2, 15 to 16. Your Bible probably says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The Greek is written in such a way. You can translate it this way, but it, uh, the present active indicative, which basically says do not, Uh, Love can also be the imperative, which means stop loving the world. Why would John say that? Because what is our natural tendency? Why does Paul warn, don't be conformed to the image of this world? We kind of like an awful lot of those things that are out there. We want to be accepted by those people. Stop it! 
Okay? It goes on to say, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, though there are those who would say that. I really do think that when you're concentrating on the world, you're missing the point. You're not loving God at that moment. What are we called to do? Love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. Not love what the world is out there offering. He goes on to say, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so we want what we want. And so we're, if we're willing to sin to get it, we're involved in idolatry. What about when you don't get it? Well, James 4, 1 to 4, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? This is the idea of law and, of the law of sin in you. You want what you want. And somehow someone has done something to prevent you from getting it. So now we have conflict with that other person. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yeah, you do not have because you do not ask. The idea was, hey, look, just go to God and talk to Him about it. But you don't do that. You'd rather fight with the person that uh, has prevented you from getting what you want. It goes on to say, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, go ahead and ask God, but why are you asking? Is it just because you want it or because... This is the best thing you could have to glorify Him at this time. Oh, that's another thing altogether, isn't it? goes on to say, adulterers and adulteresses. Oh, wait a minute. Where did we go from wanting what I want to adultery? We've not even talked about that here. It goes on to say, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This idea of adulterers and adulteresses, as a born-again believer, you are in a covenant relationship with God. It's an intimate relationship. He knows you like nobody else. He knows what's best for you. He's the one that is sovereign and in control of everything that goes on in your life. The tree falling right next to the car or on the roof or whatever the case. He's in charge of all of it. So let's get angry with him because he ruined things. Or, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? See what I'm saying? So with that in mind, um, when we come back here, we don't get what we want. We become adulterers and adulteresses because we're not recognizing who we're covenanted with. And what we want is more important. That's, that's idolatry. Idolatry, you've become an enemy of God at that point. You're a friend of the world. What's the world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It goes on. Examples of uh, idolatry in us. Fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. In the last three years, we've seen the fear of man play itself out in the church. I'm not talking about being obedient to some recommendations about a disease that we didn't really understand or know about because they didn't tell us, though they had the information. By the way, if you, if you don't believe that, understand they've already told us we're having another pandemic in 2025, okay? Do you know what disease is coming along uh, next in your life? No, you don't. So how do they know one's coming? Okay, we call it a pandemic for a reason, and I'm sorry, but I do believe that that's what this last one was. Now, it may have been an accidental one, but it was, okay, well, here's how we're going to deal with it. Okay, um, so we're supposed to believe and do everything the government tells us to do. Romans 13, there's our excuse. Believe and do everything the government tells you to do. Uh, we're studying on a family book study, Letter to the American Church, by Eric Metaxas on once a month. And uh, bon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was in the United States. He was studying and while Hitler was doing his thing. And he went back to Germany and he joined with a group that their intent was to assassinate Hitler. 
and his top lieutenants. And the reason why they were willing to do that as Christian people was because they believed, knowing how Hitler had already shown himself to be and what his intent was, that if they just, knowing that, just sat back and let it all happen, that they would be guilty of the sins that he had committed. And they believed that God was merciful enough that they needed to do something about it. And so they went out to assassinate. Well, a good Christian would never do that. Read some of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's stuff and tell me he's not a good Christian. Okay? So he didn't believe that it was right to submit to the government all the time. Our founding fathers believed that government had a responsibility to the people, just like Romans 13 and 1 Peter says. And they were breaking their own rules in dealing with the United States, well, the, the colonies at the time. And they said, look, guys, it's necessary from time to time to break relationships because of the toxicity. I'm using terms that we might understand today. The toxicity of that relationship. And the best thing that we can do is just agree to disagree and go our separate ways. That's basically what the Declaration of Independence was. We're going our separate ways. You're doing 26 things wrong according to your rules. So we're, we're done with this. And England said, oh, no, you're not. And what we call the Revolutionary War became a war of self-defense. The first battles being, we're going to go into Concord and Lexington, and we're going to take away all the guns and the black powder. Why? Because a defenseless society is easy to control. Something to think about with all the things you're hearing our politicians talk about. Now, am I suggesting revolution? Let's put it online. No. Okay. All I'm saying is Romans 13 doesn't mean become a pacifist and just do whatever the government says because of what they might do to you. Fear of man. It's a snare. But he who trusts the Lord. How about science? Hey, man, science has really been used to beat us over the head the last couple of years, huh? And then we found out that all of the science was wrong. Hmm. And you're going to sit there and say, oh, there's another conspiracy. Hey, guys, look at something other than CNN, please. Okay? Uh, the reality is, is in 2000 to 2005, they did a study as to what was the best treatment for any coronavirus. And in 2005, they, discovered, they, they concluded their study and they realized that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were the best treatment for uh, any coronavirus. And when all of a sudden a coronavirus came along, what did we decide? You can't use those. Why? Because we need this emergency thingy-dingy so we can give you our medicine and make lots of money. That's why. Okay. Now you're saying, ah, you're getting all political. No, I'm trying to show you that science is not something we look at and trust like we should be trusting God. Okay? Uh, look at what science has said about a variety of things. I know some of us may act like monkeys, but we did not come from monkeys. Okay? Yes, the DNA may be 90 some odd percent alike. It was the same maker. And since the DNA works on these things and both have those things, of course it would be the same. But is a monkey made in the image of God? No, not by a long shot. They may be pretty intelligent. Pigs are too. Okay, just saying. Okay, so uh, environmentalism. Oh, it's all going to burn up. That's right, it is. Okay? Stop, stop worrying about it. It's all going to burn up. But it's not going to be the sun because you drive an SUV. Okay? Just saying. Okay, how about child-centered homes? Uh, we were recently at our uh, sister-in-law's house, and uh, niece was there with her child. And this child is oh, so smart, so smart. And it was time to eat. And this child let everybody know they did not want to eat what they were being served. Uh, you just have to excuse him. He's really tired. 
No, he isn't. He's being a stubborn little twerp. And he needs a good one along the backside, the, the, seat of, uh, no, the board of education applied to the seat of knowledge. He was being a rebellious, I want what I want person, just like all of us from time to time, even us adults. Ask my wife. Moving right along, you'll see a, a bunch of verses in Proverbs there uh, that talks about applying the board of education to the seat of knowledge. And yet, in this day and age, even Christian parents, no, we couldn't do that. Yeah, there's a place for it. And one goes on to say, deliver his soul from hell. In other words, if you don't, don't tell me you love your child. Okay? If you're letting him continue in foolishness, not childishness, foolishness, uh, you have a fear of man as well as a child-centered home. Letter C, work. Paycheck, status, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 21 to 23. For there is a man whose laborer is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. And also, this also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all of his labors and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This is also vanity. It's amazing how many of us men normally, sometimes women, get caught up in workaholism. Uh, I guess that's the way the word should be uh, pronounced. But uh, work can be an idol. The paycheck can be the idol. The status, because I'm a regional uh, vice president, which means you're middle management and not worth talking about anyway. But uh, that, that kind of thing. How about materialism? Or as we call it today, retail therapy. You know, life is so stressful, I have to go out and buy another pair of shoes. Well, I don't, but others do. Um, addictions. And addictions have a wide range of uh, things. Now, we don't like the word addiction. That's one of those uh, psychological words. Let's put it this way. Bondages. Okay? Uh, it is the same thing. They just, if we put this label on it, it's not your fault. When we go to bondage, well, you might think you were sold into slavery, but you have been freed so if you're in bondage, you chose to get there. Okay? Bondages. Food, drugs, sex, porn, TV, tablets, gaming, all kinds of things can be bondages. Of course, that brings us to the next one, entertainment. Within that, we have sports, gaming, TV. Uh, how about the last one? This is probably the most prevalent one. And uh, this is where the child center home, uh, what the child centered home produces. But the person that is uh, caught up in self, this is who I am. Or I can't help myself because this is who I am. Uh, how about comfort? Appearance. You know, I'm wearing a pair of black jeans today. I have always worn the khaki-like black pants, you know, because they're dress pants. And today I'm wearing jeans. Apparently not a problem for anybody here. How, 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 about, how about those of you that are a little bit like me where you want to be in control of everything? Nobody here like that. You better be raising your hand. no. Because I know that's not true. Uh, we, we that uh, believe we are to be in control of everything, that's uh, just another form of idolatry because you're not. You're not in control of everything. In fact, there's very few things that you're in control of. And the biggest one that you're not dealing with most of the time is yourself. Okay, that brings us to the other side of the page. Questions to ask yourself to help you identify idols in your life. Where do I spend my time? Every Sunday morning around the time of Sunday school, I get a little notification on my phone. Your daily average of time usage on this phone this week has been. I'm not going to tell you. Hopefully you're embarrassed about yourself and you don't need to worry about me. When I was in Alaska, it was actually a couple of hours less per day. 
partially because my phone didn't work in Alaska. <clears throat> Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Uh, I have a charge card that I try and keep zeroed out, but I use it uh, because it gives me points. I presently have 721 points that I'm hoping to go to Cabela's and get my next gun for free. Okay. Uh, don't tell the government I said that. Uh, letter C, where do I get my joy? What makes you happy? You know, and, and yes, I am using the words interchangeably, happy and joy, okay? Um, because we as Christians have a tendency to put happiness over here. This is based on circumstances. Joy is because I got Jesus. And life really sucks right now, but I'm being joyful through it. No, they're the same thing. When you put God first, I promise you, you're going to be happy, okay? But you may try and find your happiness in something over here too. That might help you understand if you're involved in idolatry. Letter D, what's always on my mind? Years ago, I used to collect uh, comic books. And, and I've got a bunch of men, but anyone wants to buy them. They're, they're in little plastic things and in a box and they're good condition and not mint, but close, you know, and uh, I'd be more than happy to sell them to you and I'm going to get as much as I can for them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I also collected these little comic cards and some of them had the silvery stuff on it, made a little mural, and it, oh, it was great. And, you know, I would look forward to the day of my paycheck. So on that day, I got to go to the comic book store and uh, buy some more, see if I could get that little mural taken care of. I think I got two and a half of them, of the murals. I got a bunch of cards that don't mean anything to me, but got two and a half of those murals. It was an issue because I was looking forward to it. I was thinking about it. I was spending my money on it. I put some time into it. See what I'm saying? Uh, what are you thinking about? Uh, you know, uh, where do you get your joy? Where, do you, where does your mind spend its time? Number four, the result of idolatry. We saw in James chapter four, verses uh, three and four, that we become an enemy of God. An enemy of God. And something that a lot of people don't understand is uh, you become like what you worship. When I was growing up with my stepfather, um, they got custody, my mother and him got custody of my sister and I when I was about eight, and we lived with them from eight until I was 16. By the time I was 16, I was a very, very angry, bitter young man, rebellious. The week before I left... Um, I probably raised my voice at my stepfather for some reason that I'm sure I felt justified in doing so, and uh, went into my room. I locked the door, and he came over to that door and broke the lock as he broke into my room, and he started yelling at me, and I started yelling right back at him, and uh, he grabbed me by the shirt and pulled his fist back. I grabbed him by the shirt and pulled my fist back, and my mother stepped right in between us. I ran away from home a week later. And whenever I would talk about my stepfather and life at home, I would literally tremble because I was so angry and so bitter. He was a yeller. Everything that went wrong in the world was my fault, and every night at dinner time, he let me know. That was an issue in my life. And then I got saved. I was free, right? Yeah, I carried that baggage around with me for a little while. A few years later, I get married. And a year and a couple of months later, we have our first child. And two years after that, a second. And two years after that, a third. And two years after that, a fourth. Three years after that, a fifth. Uh, my kids grew up with a yeller with an angry person. My wife, I don't know how many times she told me, you really need to deal with your anger. I'm not angry. You've never seen me angry. You wouldn't like me if I was angry. You've seen that movie, right? Apparently not. I'd probably look like Louie over here, just green and wrong. Um, but a uh, very angry person. And I did a lot of yelling. And I remember when Rachel was about 13, 14 years old, She's in tears, and she just yells, 
Stop yelling! My yelling really hurt her. Why was I such a yeller? Because I became like what I thought about. That's why. Colossians 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above. Think about who he is, what he's like, why? Because the more you think about him, the more you're going to become like him. And if you're involved in idolatry, you become like that which you worship. Another principle in 1 John 3, 3, uh, he that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. You become like what you think about. We've been commanded to think about him. Okay? So what's the cure? Well, let me read a passage for you here. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, and eat, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And it goes on for another, uh, well, it's 1 through 11, and we're, we just finished five verses. I want you to catch what he says here. Why are you spending time, money, energy, chasing after what cannot satisfy you, cannot give you what only God can give you? That's the idea here. When we're involved in idolatry, and we're not, again, not bowing down to a, a statue. We're spending all kinds of time chasing after this, and it becomes the priority in our life. We'll, okay, here's one for you. How many days do you spend reading your Bible? A devotional reading of your Bible. Here's the standard answer. You know, I know I should, but I just don't have time. I'll put it off until later, and I just get so busy, I forget to do it. Can I tell you at that point, something else has become primary in your life? But I don't need to read the Bible. I've read it. <laughs> Talking to one of our dear saints here this morning, I'm not going to point her out. She's on her fourth time through the Bible this year. I said, well, pfft. It's July. You can do it five times. And she said, my goal was four. So, you know, if you're doing four in seven months, obviously you can do five in 12, right? Um, I, I have done that in the past where my goal was four in a year, and I got through three, and it was August. Uh, 15 chapters a day. Easy. What do you mean easy? It's 45 minutes. How much time do we spend watching TV? Ooh, meddling again, huh? But that's the reality of the, anything that's taken primary position. Okay? So what's the cure? He says, come and buy from me without money. Bread, wine, milk, all those things that would be nourishing back in Isaiah's day, that which would be good for you. Come and buy it without money. Now, there's a transaction there but it's His grace freely giving what you should be paying for. Sounds like something else we know about. Okay? So, first of all, repentance. As I already read Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. When I got saved, the complaint in the average church was 80% 80% of the ministry is done by 20% of the people. 
I want you to understand that is no longer true. At least 90% of the ministry is done by about 10% of the people. Now, why is that important? In speaking to others, I won't tell you who, there seems to be an attitude of entitlement at church. We come and we tithe our time. We gave God three hours on Sunday morning, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. And therefore, there is no reason for us to go on Sunday night. I mean, where in the Bible does it say go to church on Sunday night? It doesn't, right? And no reason to go on Wednesday night. We are busy people. Uh Uh-huh. I don't doubt it. You are. Some of you are overly busy. Whether or not you're doing much for God, you'll have to talk to him about. I don't know. I know one lady that used to sit right down here, and she hasn't been to church in a while. Uh, She is regularly serving the elderly that she has contact with. She brings them bread. She does their makeup and hair, and she talks to them about Jesus. She does not serve in the church, but she serves. Some of you may be doing that. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Seriously. But I'll bet a good number of you are just busy with life. And I do mean busy. And to add a couple of more things to your schedule would be difficult. Yes, they would. You cannot serve two masters. Are you serving God in all of your busyness? That's a question that you have to answer and not to me. Okay? But within repentance, if there is the serving of another master, there ought to be a change of mind about that. And then stop loving the world. Why are you caught up with putting something else in the position that only God can truly give you satisfaction and that God should have? Because you believe lies that you're going to get something out of it. Stop it. You're not. It cannot give you what your relationship with God can. It was never meant to. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. doesn't mean that it's evil. It just means that's not where you live. That's what you do. Where you live is in Christ. Number two, continued humility. Putting God in His proper place in your life. Remember Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 21, I believe it was. Uh, For when they knew God, they honored Him or glorified Him not as God. They didn't give God His proper place. God is number one. Now, think about that with me for just a moment. God is number one. In your life, maybe there's a couple of things that are above Him on that list. Well, you can't be in position zero. If God is number one and you've got three things ahead of Him, He now becomes number four. Those three things that are ahead of him aren't number one, two, and three. They're number five, six, and seven. Because the quality of what you're going to get out of them is less than if they were in their proper positions of two, three, and four. Why? Because God is number one. You can't change that. So give him his proper place. Okay? Uh, You'll notice I have uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 8 there. Therefore, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Notice, resist him. How are you going to resist the devil? You're going to uh, stand in the strength of the Lord and in the power of his might, Ephesians chapter 6. You're not going to be doing it by yourself, but you've got to be humble to walk with him first for that to happen. So continued humility. Number a letter B, get about the business for which you were saved. Matthew 6, uh, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he takes care of the rest of the details. I know your Bible says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What are all the things? 
Food and clothing. Yeah, but I want more than food and clothing. When has God only just given you food and clothing? I mean, all you got to do is look around and notice that some of us look like we've had plenty of food and our clothes are big enough. Well, at least I hope so. Okay? Uh, It's never been about just food and clothing, but that's your needs. He's promised to take care of your needs. And what has he done? Exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So, continued humility. And then number three, vigilance. Become more aware of your longings. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, our hearts, we've been given a new heart. Let's remember that. Because our old hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And if we listen to that one over there, uh, it'll tell us all the reasons why we can justify whatever we want to justify. We need to understand that that battle is going on. And we want to keep our hearts where they belong. Why? Because out of our hearts flow all the issues of life. Okay? Letter B, become more aware of your enemy and how he works. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, usually dressed in a government uniform, walks about like a roaring lion, telling you that you're going to die if you get this disease, and you should be afraid. Do all of the things that we do. That's just one example of how the devil works. Okay? He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to forget who's on the throne. What are the promises of the one that's on that throne? What has he said he will do on our behalf? So be more aware of how the enemy, uh, uh, of your enemy and how he works. Letter C, put your dependence fully on God. You know, Jesus got the disciples in the garden and he has them pray. And he goes off and prays by himself. And he says, (coughs) excuse me, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit, the new part of you, is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, I want you to catch that there. If you're watching and praying, you're involved in seeking first the kingdom of God. You're involved in consecrating the Lord God in your hearts. That will actually help you when temptation arises. If you wait until temptation arises and then cry out to God, Oh, God, help me! Uh, You're going to be drawn away of your own lust and enticed, and you're going to fall on your face. So understand how the enemy works. Be vigilant about what your heart is doing. Stay humble. Repent if you need to repent. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wonderful love and mercy. We recognize, Lord, that we do. We have our times when... We put other things before you, and in so doing, uh, we are committing idolatry. Uh, It is not our intent, I'm sure, to chase after false gods or anything like that, but things seem important sometimes when they're not. Open our eyes and give us grace to recognize the battle and to always be looking to you for everything that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, uh, this is not an uncommon problem for any of us. We may go in and out of it from time to time. But it's a reminder that, look, truly our hope is only found in walking with Him. Read Romans 8. Get out of Romans chapter 7. 7 is a fact of life for the rest of your life. Go to chapter 8. It's where the victory is found. And the confidence and the hope. Let's live there. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We We do remind ourselves today, Lord, that our pastor, the one that you've blessed us with for so many years, is in the hospital. We recognize that he is there because you're in charge. And we thank you that he listened to you. And we pray, Lord, as he and uh, gets ready for his uh, surgery tomorrow, that you would give him grace to comfort him in his heart, him, Shar, the kids, that each one would be able to recognize uh, 
uh, this is this is a blip in all that's going on, and it's an opportunity for him to glorify you. I pray for the doctors that you would give them steady hands, and that everything would be taken care of that needs to be taken care of. That there would be a good recovery, and that as he comes back in a, a few several weeks. Uh, that we might be able to enjoy some of the things that he's learned in this time that you've uh, put him in the bed. Thank you, Father, for this day. Give us wisdom and grace to uh, do all things, putting you first. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.